of John chapter number 4, page 1324. When you find your place, I want you to look this away. I want to get right on into the message tonight. We will pray with the kids after when they come back into the auditorium and uh, pray for Miss Ryder and, and others. One of the one of the great benefits of us going through the Bible in a book as we as we have been through First John and and we went through Philemon on forgiveness, but one of the great um, benefits of doing this is in the midst of going through a book, God will will give you sections of scripture. Now, if you you have to understand, there is a high premium when anything is found in the Word of God. John said, if if all that Jesus had said and done was written in a book, the world could not contain the books. So God has given us something we can carry in our hand. Do you understand the premium of anything? that's recorded and written in this old blessed King James Bible. Do you understand how that, that, that if it is written here, how the premium that is placed upon it. And uh, so we, we, we need to understand that when God gives us a, a segment of Scripture, it ought to be something that we need to take notice of. Now, all of 1 John, the theme of the book is that you might know. That you might know that you're saved, that you might know, have assurance and have confidence and, and that you'd be very settled on the fact that you're saved. John takes the gospel and he gets you saved. First John helps you to know that. But then there's another underlying theme that John gives and that is this that we were to love God and love one another. And he talks about it all through the book. But when we come to chapter 4, beginning verse number 7, to the end of the chapter, he really centers on understanding love. Now, if I were to start here with Josh and have everybody in this building to define your ideal of what love is, I guarantee if I could get an honest answer out of you, it would be so different. It would be amazing our mindset and thinking about love. Some people, love is a meal. A quarter pounder with cheese, french fries... That's, man, that's love. For some, love is a sports. For some, love is, is a gift. For some, love is time. For some, it's, it's just all these different kind of things. So what, I, what I found to see very quickly is how little we really understand about this. So for the next, I know, three weeks... Because I already got three messages on understanding love. We'll do part one next week, part two, part three. And so I've changed my notes and I put 
confidence under construction in little letters, but then you'll know, I'll put you a picture of love on the first of it, that this little series in the midst of this book, because I, I don't, I'm not sure we understand what love is. Some people define love with how somebody does this or does that. And some people define love by gift. Some people define love by time. And so, hopefully and prayerfully, when we're done, we'll all understand love just a little bit more. Okay, First John chapter 4, verse number 7. Beloved, let us love one another. Now, let's read those next words together. For love is of God. For love is of God. And every one that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Just two verses. Let's read them together. Ready? Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Go to the throne of grace. Mark, how about you praying? How about you praying? Amen. Someone is asked, what is love? Well, I like these answers. It is silence when your words would hurt. It is patience when your neighbor curses. It is deafness when a scandal flows. It is thoughtfulness for others' woes. It is promptness when duty calls. It is courage when misfortune falls. Someone has said, Love is wildly misunderstood. Although highly desirable malfunction of the heart, which weakens the brain, causes the eyes to sparkle, cheeks to glow, blood pressure to rise, and lips to pucker. Teenagers or young people... How do you know if you're in love? Ask yourself, would I be willing to let them go if you believed it was the best thing? Second question, am I willing to wait for this person if they say no to sex? Number three, would I feel the same way if they came late? Well, that's a big one. Am I willing to sacrifice my dreams to allow their dreams to come true? And last question, do you respect and admire them? If you answer no to any one of them, then you need to honestly ask yourself the question, is it lack of trust, fear, selfishness? If you answered yes to all of them, you may be in love. Kids were asked, and I love this, 
how people in love aren't. Wendy, age eight. When a person gets kids for the first time, they fall down, they don't get up for at least an hour. Arnold, mushy, like puppy dogs, except puppy dogs don't wag their tails nearly as much. When asked why love happens, May, age seven, said, no one is sure why it happens, but I heard it had something to do with how you smell. That's why perfume and deodorant are so popular. I, I, I love this one. This is my favorite one. Manual. I think you're supposed to get shot with an arrow or something, but the rest of it isn't supposed to be so painful. <laughs> I love that one. When asked on what falling in love is like, John said, like an avalanche where you have to run for your life. Bart said, like eating out, make sure it's what she likes to eat, French fries usually work for me. How can you tell if two adults in a restaurant are in love? Lovers will just be staring at each other and the food will get cold. Other people care more about their food. Sandra, age seven, see if the man has lipstick on his face. It has been well said that love is better demonstrated than defined. As a matter of fact, at best, when we attempt to try to define love, we, we, we describe a, an expression or a form of love that is usually manifested in what we say or do. L.B. Meyer said, you can no more define the essence of love than you can define the essence of God. By you can't, by you can define its, but you can define its effects and fruits. In 1 John chapter 2 and 3, I mean, he's disgusted. But in chapter 4, he, he, he does 15 verses to the subject with the emphasis on loving one another. And so tonight as we look at these two verses, first of all, understand this. Love is a personal relationship First, with God. Love is a personal relationship, first of all, with God. Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. This is a hard statement. But the life we have comes from God. Amen? That phrase, born of God, it's found six times in 1 John. But 1 John is the only book in the Bible that uses that expression. It means to be begotten. It means to... to uh, it, it's, it's what Sarah's going to do in a day or two, hopefully. It, it means to be born. It means to be begotten. It means a life that we've received from God. And the word of has the idea of place and origin, but when he's talking about being born of God, John is telling us that the source of our spiritual life is God. Amen? It's not a works, it's God. Now, Gospel of John, 
He used a similar phrase when he said in John 3, 3, Jesus answered, saying, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Accept men be born again. Same phrase, just, just said different. It's ideal that, that if you're born of flesh, you're flesh, but born of spirit, is spirit. And those, what he's saying is this, He's saying that those that know not God can never really genuinely love. They can love on an earthly plateau, an earthly platform. But when we have a life that is given to us from God, then not only us, we have a love that God gives. Love is of God. Now, if I am born of God, then I get His love when I get Him. And so love is God gives as well. And uh, it's a love that is, that is birthed from a relationship with God. How many of you have, I've heard many of you make this statement, so you can't deny it now. But no doubt many of you others have made it. Well, I tell you right now, bless God, before I was saved, I would let them have it. Before I was saved, I tell you, I, I mean, somebody got hurt. Before I was saved, I'd done this. Before I was saved, I would have done that. But now that you're saved... You don't do those things. Why is that? It is because love is a relationship, first of all, with God. Or we, we, because God's only source of life and love. This world doesn't know how to love. God never commands us, don't you get this, to do something that He does not enable us to do. When God says, I want you to love one another, God says, you can do that. You say, well, I just tell you, you don't understand. I, I don't know if I can love so-and-so. Oh, yes, you can. If you know God. Well, I can't love this person. I just can't love this. Oh, yes, you can. If you know God. If you don't know God, I'd like to introduce him to you tonight. Best place you can be. Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4 9, But as touching brotherly love, you need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Now, there are some folks hard to love. There's some folks I'd rather slug than hug. Amen. I mean, some folks hard to love. But here's the thing. You say, well, I just can't. Yes, you can. And because God never commands anything that we can't do. You say, but you don't understand, preacher. What about my enemies? Well, what does God say about the thing? In Luke 6, 35. But love ye your... What's the next word? What? 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 God said, Love ye your enemies and do good and lend 
hoping for nothing again. God said, if you going to love one another, God said somewhere you're going to have to love your enemies, got to do good, got to land, hoping. Well, I tell you, I'm going to do this. They're going to owe me. No, 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 no. No, it is doing good with no expectations. It is, it is doing good with nothing coming back. It is doing good when they take everything you have and you're their, your, their, your enemy and you say, I'm going to do, I'm going to love them. I'm going to do good to them. I'm going to help them with nothing in return. So how are we doing on the love? How are we doing on the love? You say, well, preacher, I, I tell you, I'm, 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 I, I'm a lovable person. How, okay? Show me your enemy. I want to talk to your enemy. And then I'll find out how loving you really are. You see, it's easy to love those that love us back. But I'm telling you, it's tough sometimes to love those that are your enemy. A lady was sick, so she went to the doctor. The doctor examined her and then said, he said, I'm sorry to tell you, but you've got rabies. And uh, he said, uh, we got to start shots immediately. She picked up a notepad and began writing. He said, what, what are you doing, ma'am? You're writing out your will. She said, no, I'm making a list of the people I'm going to bite before I take the treatment. That's <laughs> That's our nature, is it not? It's okay for some of you to smile. Maybe your face won't break. It'll be all right. I, 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 it's, it's our nature, isn't it? You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. You talk about, you badmouth me, I'll badmouth you back. You ugly to me, I'll be ugly you back. But God said, in understanding love, that it starts first with a relationship with God. Now, I'm not making light of those that mistreat us. I'm not making light of those that are ugly. I'm not making light of those that do things to our family and hurt us. I'm not making light of none of that. I'm just telling you what understanding genuine love is all about. And uh, it's, it's not what we, we tend to think about it. So, because first of all, it's a relationship. A personal relationship. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. You say, preacher, how do we do that? I'm going to tell you how you do that. You do that because there's a divine God called the Holy Spirit of God living inside you because it takes a divine love to be able to love that way. By nature, by nature, we don't come born with that. We don't come born with that. So by nature, the tendency is for us just to be the opposite. Is that not right? By nature, is that not right? 
So God said, to love God gives us, enables us to love when we really don't want to love. Love is, number one, a personal relationship first with God. If you don't have a relationship with God, I'm going to tell you right now, you don't understand the first step of love. You know, the world's love. You know this world's love that's, that's called phileo, brother and sister, family. You know the, the love called eros or erotica, sensual. You know that kind. But you don't understand the God they love. A love that says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us on the cross. That's a God they love. And so first of all, personal relationship with a personal relationship with God. Number two, love is a productive relationship with God. Notice, and knoweth, and knoweth God. Probably one of the key words. How many of you know God? How, how many? Okay, good, good. So you, so you know the God that stepped out on nothing and said, let there be light, and there was light? You know that God? You know that God that flung stars from His fingertips? Do you know that God that knows all your yesterdays and knows your tomorrows in yesterday? Do you, do you know that God? Do you, know, do you know that kind of God? Because love is not something that's from God. It is produced by God. And this kind of love is, first of all, it's an experienced knowledge. The word knoweth has the idea uh, that comes by experience. And so it's more than knowledge gained by, by a classroom or, or study. Uh, uh, let, let me just say this. If the only time you open your Bible is on Sunday morning at church, uh, you, you don't know God. If all you know is what you from a Sunday school class or, or my preaching, you don't know God. You don't know what His book says. You don't know Him. And it is a knowledge that comes by experience. Job said it this way, I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Hold it, stop out there, time out. That came after God dropped the hedge and every possession Job had was taken now, you, you disagree with this, and it's okay. I, I don't really get bothered with people disagreeing with me. They'd be wrong if they want to. I don't mind. I believe everything happened to Job in a 24-hour period. You're talking about a bad day. God dropped the hedge, and Satan unleashed all God would allow him to. And in a moment's notice, everything he had was gone. Everything. It gets worse. And one day, he buried all of his children. All ten of them. Could you imagine getting the news that all your children were killed in a day? 
he gets worse. From the top of his head to the sole of his feet, he had a disease and like boils and he would lay in an old old garbage heap and, and pick up a piece of broken pottery and scratch himself to get relief. I don't know if this is just worse, but it's just what happened. And then perhaps the closest friend he had said, My God, why don't you curse God and die? Still holding your integrity? Why don't you curse God and die? That happened to be the mother of his children, his wife. After all of that, and before, and before, God ever said, okay, devil, enough. God puts up the hedge, doubles everything he has, and gives him ten more kids. And, and you just read the book of Job for yourself. That first ten bunch must have been an ugly crowd because the next ten was beautiful young. And the Bible talks about their beauty. First ten must have been kind of ugly. Amen. The second ten was beauty for the behold. But he got all ten of them back again. Before that ever happened, and after all this happened, here's what Job said. He said, Job, he said God, I've heard about you. I've heard about you. But now, mine eye seeth it. I know you now in a way I've never known you. I, boy, I appreciate the testimony Gina gave. Boy, wasn't that great? I guarantee you she knows some things about God. Now, she didn't know before her sickness. Guarantee. There's some of you. I face some things. And sometimes we, we, we cringe with the things that God sends in our lives. What we fail to understand is sometimes that is the motive, that's the vehicle that God gives us to know Him like we've never known Him before. So it's an experienced knowledge. Not only that, it's evolving knowledge. Can I say this? You'll never stop knowing about Him. And tonight, if this don't interest you, and you can't learn, and you're not growing, and nothing gets you excited about God, and you don't know it all, I mean, just, just, just go ahead and give me the pen. Give me the Jesus pen. I know it all. I'm telling you, you're done with God. Oh, we ought to be like an old dry sponge. Suck up everything God has for us, every service, because I'm going to tell you something. None of us have arrived. And you know how long you're going to keep evolving in this knowledge until Jesus says, hey, it's your time. Or he comes up in the rapture. And that's the kind of way I'm leaning. Come up hither, amen. Yet God says in 2 Timothy 3, 7, he makes a statement. This is so sad. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Truth be told, most of us love according to how we're treated or what's given to us. I love this letter. Dear love, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I felt since breaking our engagement. Please, please say you'll take me back. 
No one could ever take your place in my heart, so please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love yours forever. P.S. Congratulations on winning the state lottery. It's about the way yours is. Our love usually has external reasons. But the love of God is so much more than that. It's love without limits or conditions. He loves regardless. He loves you when you're bad. He loves you when you're good. And one of the greatest examples of this is in Mark 10, 21, a rich young ruler comes to Jesus. What must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, keep the... Kept all them, Jesus. And now the Lord knew what he was going to do. The Lord knew he would choose his money and his wealth over him. He knew this. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. He knows in a few minutes he's going to turn and walk away. He knows in a few minutes he's going to choose his money, his wealth. He, he knows he's going to pull a demon on him, having forsaken me, loving this present evil world. He knows, he knows in a few minutes he's going to do that which God has told him he didn't want him to do and disobey God. He knows that. And yet Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, come and take up the cross, and follow me. Let me just stop right here and just say this. His perception... Well, if we have godly love, we got to love everybody. Where did you get that? Where did you get that? I think we need to have a godly love for the person. But there's no... God, Jesus Himself, is not going to condone His sin. Nor is he going to look to... He's not going to compromise his holiness because he loves him. And this is kind of love that says, you can do anything you want to. And, and, and that, that, No, they don't go together. Don't happen. And the Lord... And I love this. And the Lord just says, man, I love him. I'm going to go run him down and say, it's okay. Love your money and give me second... No! Jesus let him walk away knowing what he would do. But it doesn't change the fact that Jesus loved him. You can't take that away from him. Sometimes, because we have to... have to, it's, If you love our kids, if we love our kids, sometimes you've got to tell them no. Not that you don't love them. Because you do love him. Young man to his father, Dad, I, I'm going to get married. How, how do you know you're ready to get married? asked the father. Are you in love? I sure am, said the son. How do you know you're in love? asked the father. Son answered, Last night as I was kissing my girlfriend goodnight, her dog bit me. And I didn't feel the pain until I got home. 
Love, divine kind of love is more than a feeling. The most damning, you hear me now, the most destructive thing you can do is build your Christianity on a feeling. Are you hearing me? Build it on truth. And let the feelings come and go. Let the feelings come and go. And they will come and go. That's where loving your enemies, you may not feel like loving your enemies. But you love your enemies anyway. But it's not about a feeling. Feelings of an emotion, glad God give them to us. But I'm telling you, they are not an accurate gauge of determining Christianity. If they do, you'll be up and down. One minute you next minute you'll be up and down like a roller coaster. It'll be awful. And some folks Christianity is that away. But it's built on truth. So when I feel good on a Wednesday night, hallelujah, I, I can rejoice because I'm going to heaven. When I feel bad, I can still rejoice. I'm still going to the same heaven. Got the same God. Still same salvation because of the truth of the Word of God. So love is a personal relationship first with God. It is a productive relationship with God. Third and last of all, it's a proven relationship with God. Notice First John. Love becomes one of those tests that he gives in First John. Number one, he said, the presence of love shows. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and north God. He said it'll show. He said it'll show. We love one another, it'll show. Presence, it's, a, it's proven. It's proven. Bible says in 1 John 3, 14, we know that we are passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Now here's what he said. Take it up with him. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. God says you're just not saved. Ephesians 2.1 talks about being quickened. Ye which were dead in trespasses and sin are now quickened and made alive. And he says this, it is proven, it is proven in a presence of love that shows. Number two, the absence of love states Here's what he says. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. If a person can't love, it is evidence they've never been saved. Because God is love. That's who He is. It's not what He does, it's who He is. And His children can love as He commands them to love. A heart empty of love is a heart empty of God. A heart empty of love 
is a heart empty of God. All you young people need to set up real good and straight now look straight at me. That's the reason the Bible teaches you this. Not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Because you may not understand this, but if you're saved, you know how to love, but if they're lost, they don't know how to love. They can't love you in the same, on the same level, same place, as you can love them. Just can't. They just simply can't. It's not that they don't want to. They just can't. They cannot love from here what's not there. And you say, well, I'll tell you what, I'll love them and I'll love them enough for the both of us. Yeah, that lasts about six months. I, I love this. He's young. Boy, I tell you, uh, well, what, how are you going to live? We, we going to live on love? Yeah, about two days. Somebody better hunt some groceries. that right? Love is, is, is proven. And, and, it, and, it's, and, and reality is, it's absence of love states that we just don't know God and, and, uh, and it can't. Secondly, if a person is manufacturing love that's been given them by God, then, then um, it reveals a lack of spiritual growth in their life. Perhaps one of the greatest dangers we all face here, and, and, and I, while preparing this, and God brought two or three people to my mind. I, I'm honest. And um, um, the greatest danger we have is this, is that one or two people in our lifetime that has so hurt us so mistreated us that we think it's an impossibility for us to love them. Everybody look at me. Everybody watching these kids, look at them. I'm telling you something very important. Let me tell you again, you just missed it. The greatest danger for us is because one or two people in our lifetime, just one or two, hurt us, mistreat us, and in some cases, it's real. They, they really did. They were wicked. In some cases, they stole your inheritance or they done this or mistreated this person or done... You, the list goes on and on and on. God says this. God says, if that love is... Not, if, that, if it stops right there and you say, I can love up to that point, but I just cannot love that person... You can be saved and yet never grow another inch in God. You can be saved. You can be saved, washed in the blood, and never, and never, never, never grow another step with God. Everybody look at me. You can be saved, washed in the blood of Jesus, and come to one person in your mind right now, whomever that is, and you've decided that person hurt me so much 
I just can't love that person. Now that you listen, right there, if you cannot love them with the love of God, your spiritual growth will stop right there. He won't go any further. God's not going to go around it. He's not going to go under it. Because God has given you a command. And until that command is obeyed, He'll not take you any further. And I believe that's where a lot of God's people are today. And boy, I found myself there. And I said, God, I don't want to be there. Because I want to always be a growing. A.W. Tozer said this, The love of God is one of the greatest realities of the universe, a pillar upon which the hope of the world rests. But it is a personal, intimate thing too. Don't miss this. God does not love populations. He loves people. He, doesn't, he loves not masses, but men. He loves us all with a mighty love that has no beginning and can have no end. So I'll stand to your feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed.